welcome to this episode of Say Something Interesting. This is the follow-up podcast for the Eastlake Tri-Cities Church. And my name is Megan, and with me is our teaching pastor, Brent. Hi, guys. How's yes. it going? We started a new series this week, which is pretty exciting, which it we'll is. get into in a few minutes. But first, we start off with just whatever the heck we want to talk about. Yeah, so. and it's raining out right now. We're filming this. Uh, filming. Recording this. <laughs> It's not a video one. Uh, recording this on a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, because tomorrow is Kylie and I's 15 year anniversary, That's really everybody. really exciting. They got married when they were five. She's so. <laughs> Kylie, that's not far off. Not far off. Uh, so it's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's really exciting. I know. We were just talking Does last night. What are we going to do? Well, uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it de- it goes by fast for sure. Obviously, that's true. So, um, well, yeah, great. and you have like you have kids that are like span the whole fifteen years practically. So. Well, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> London's twelve, so there's very little time <laughs> between <laughs> marriage and oh, we're pregnant. Okay, <laughs> couple years, two years. Uh, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's good. Um, our plan again, I, I think I mentioned this previous on a previous podcast, but was to go to Europe and do a European trip, and slowly we are realizing that that is not going to happen this year. So um, we've been doing the phone calls with everybody, all the airlines, be like, okay, so what are our options? So we don't we don't really know what that looks like yet, but so we got to come up with something creative. So help help us come up with something creative to go do, Megan. For instead. your anniversary? Well, not. I mean, let's tomorrow. Like so that's not happening. I know, but so. like. Some sort of yeah. localer anniversary yeah. trip. Yeah, something. Okay. I don't know. We're okay. gonna. We typically go on a on a fun hike for an anniversary. We drive somewhere and mm-hmm. go to the gorge and do some hikes out of uh, like Hood River or something like that. Um, and I'll probably do something similar in that vein. But that's not that's not what we're talking about. Like fifteen years. That feels like a. I don't even know what the the item is. Your for marriage that. can Canadia. like drive. Almost. Yeah. yeah. It's got a permit, probably. <laughs> Or at least it's taking the classes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scaring the parents. Uh, yeah, I don't know what 15 is either. What's your guess, if you had to guess? I'm going to yeah. look it up while you're, um, while you're doing this. I don't know. Probably something weird. Like cotton. You think it's cotton? Sure. I think it's some sort of a metal. That'd be my oh, guess. Really? Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, first anniversary is paper. Ooh. Crystal. 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 Mm-hmm. 15 years together as a couple is a significant milestone. Well, thank you, Google. <laughs> Crystal is the traditional gift for 15th wedding anniversary. That it represents like... the clear and sparkling love Aww. between husband and wife. The modern gift is a glass. I feel like at 15 years, you know watch. your love isn't clear and sparkling yeah. anymore. <laughs> Thought to be by many to be a symbol of the time you've had and plan to have together. Aww. Oh, my gosh. Crystal. <laughs> you shouldn't I think have moved they those meant tissues. Crystal, the champagne. <laughs> That sounds better than a gift of crystal. I think a chandelier what is in order. That's crystal? what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Hang a chandelier mm-hmm. in our house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We do have a chandelier we don't like right now. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that a, sh- a crystal chandelier with a two year old makes a lot choice. of sense. That <laughs> yeah. sounds like a real poor way of spending your money. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, how was your weekend? It was good. I yeah. just. Did what I always do, hung out. I did, uh, it was beautiful on Saturday, and I would go to my parents' house on Saturday, and they have an actual yard. So I. <laughs> do you take your cats with you? No, they stay at home. Oh, okay. 
Um, so I went out and read my. They're book probably mad at you then. when you get home too. How was the uh, jungle? How was it? How was it over in really paradise? Even know oh, come what, on! Like, they don't know. They can see it in your face. They can smell it on your feet. Uh, they do like not enjoy when I'm gone for long periods of time. I sometimes get a cold shoulder for a little bit. So <laughs> from yeah, from my boy cat. Or yeah. he's like, mom, cheating on me. So, yeah. Well, and well, his first priority when I ever I walk in the door anytime is, are you going to feed me now? So yeah. <laughs> Where have you been? I'm starving. Yeah. I haven't eaten in like 20 minutes. That translates so. to human boys as well. <laughs> just so you know. When Kylie comes home from anywhere. Mom, where have you been? I'm hungry. I'm starving. Dad doesn't cook anything for me. He just um, throws boxes of mac and cheese at me and it hits me in the eye. So when I was like seven, my mom uh, went away for a week. So we lived in Maryland and my mom came to Yakima for like a high school reunion and she left, she was going to be gone for a week all by herself. And my dad took off work and was going to like stay with us and take care of us over the summer. And I literally, like I deeply remember having huge concerns about our ability to eat while my mother was gone. Yeah, I was like, is he like, I don't think dad can feed us. I really am not sure he's capable of feeding all of us. And like, it was like, I was really genuinely concerned, which I think offended my dad a little bit. But in my defense, my mom was the only person who'd ever fed me. So yeah, like <laughs> the only thing I do is grill for the kids. So like the first time with mom's gone or something like that. And I, I'll grill something I'll be like, yeah, we're grilling like hot dogs <laughs> and then it's burgers. And then it's just like anything that, what can be what can we throw in the grill? That's the only thing I know how to use. Uh, okay, so Sunday we talked about pirate radio, yeah, um, which was the kickoff idea for this. How much of a background with pirate radio as a thing did you know about? Um, I think I'd like seen previews, but I don't know that I've actually watched the movie ever. Okay, well, but I'd seen previews. And it's kind probably of, a top ten movie, yeah, for us, for Kylie and I personally. We watched it again on Saturday night before Sunday because I was like, gotta get in the mood again. Let's do this. Um, so highly recommend. Um, but in, in, from a historical standpoint, had you heard of any of that, you know, Radio Caroline or Radio Rock? I think I only Rock heard about it like when that? the movie came out. Okay. So, um, cause Radio Caroline, the one that I highlighted wasn't the uh, original one. Radio Luxembourg was the original one, but, um, but this, these kind of things have been happening all over. And then obviously, um, they kind of, from a boat standpoint, the, uh, uh, Accessibility, the uh, what do you call it? the policing of the waters got a little bit more. We have radars now, yo. You know, we know you're out there, <laughs> so they had to get more creative. Yeah. Um. So in our notes piece, if you text notes to ninety seven thousand and get those or read those, or if you just get on your browser at some point if you're listening and go to eastlaketricities.com slash notes, I highlight in that in that thing a New York Times article about current modern day pirate radios operating out of London. Oh, I didn't on know on the that. top of homes like all these like rebellious whatevers just hang antennas, but they all do it temporary and they like they like hide it behind these doors and then they cement them closed and they get access them from rooftop. So it's like there's no door to the radio station esque. Mm -hmm. You just have to like jump across a couple of rooftops and then then go down into it and it's pretty crazy. That is crazy. Um and there's a couple of them that are that are super popular still, and and then some of them that eventually get so big that they come out of hiding and and actually fill out the paperwork and do all the regulations and everything like that. But uh, you know, Tri Cities has not been really a, a you know uh, not not uh, unaware of this a hub <laughs> of pirate radio stations. No, no, I wouldn't say it was. Um, 
but you get into London and, and New York and all these big places like that, and they definitely are because the market's too tough to get into. I mean, same thing with like real estate. Imagine trying to buy a home in those places. You can't. You're just like trying to find. So starting up a business like that, that's a creative way of doing it. Uh, were you ever a radio station? Like, did you ever have a radio station growing up? Was there I mean, a, ever a. Not one that I was like deeply connected to. How, how did you access music growing up? I mean, probably radio uh, largely, and then um, like. CDs or other things like that. Yeah. TV, like if I heard a song or whatever. Tapes? Did you ever buy tapes? I had tapes. Did I you? had a Mariah Carey tape. Okay. Which I wore out TLC a lot. TLC Waterfalls, my first single tape that I bought. <laughs> you had a single? I had a single. <laughs> I didn't have very many singles, but I did have a single. But I would also do the whole listening to the radio, having a blank tape, and recording while it's being played. Yeah, I didn't do that. I did that yeah. a lot. And we passed those around a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I don't. That was kind of. I mean, most of my music intake was radio, but I'm. I really enjoy pop, so it, it didn't like. I didn't have to look very far. Like it was fine. Like you can find a lot of that on all the radio stations. So. Yeah, I uh, I mentioned the Buzz Shop um, thing that I used to listen to Saturday nights at like eight to midnight, and. I, I said, Kylie, do you remember what listening to that? She's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I'm like, I don't think you do. I think I was, I'm not, she's, the, this is the first, she's listening to this right now on a walk somewhere. And she's going, Brent, I did. I totally listened to it. I'm not convinced. I'm like, name some bands that you heard on there, right? DC Talk? No, no, no. They were played on 93.3. This is all the weird, no nonsense bands. Anyways, but um, I was hoping that I'd get some comments. Did I haven't you? got any yet oh, from okay. the Tri-Cities community here of going like, oh, man. <laughs> I can't believe anybody else listened to the bus shop. I've got a T-shirt that they gave away from. Well, I didn't grow up here, so I. I know no excuses for you because like. you were not even close to here, and they were not live streaming anywhere. Um, but no, I, I I like the uh, I like the concept of kind of the 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 pushback on it, the, the idea of we are going to do what we want to do. I mean, the whole music genre has been kind of that for a long time. We push the envelope in this, and they've sometimes gone the mainstream piece. They've come, you know, sometimes gone the whole. You know, we want to be. Uh, the ironic thing about like the pirate radio is the lack of um, licensing and, and regulation. So they didn't pay any of those licensing fees. And it was an entry point for a lot of bands to get into, which was great because they had to get, you know, eyeballs and earbuds listening to them at some point. But then every band goes through this evolution where, okay, now we do want to be paid. Now we do care about monopolies and rights restrictions. <laughs> and we don't want you ripping our music all the time. That's how we got on the scene. But now, please buy our CD. It's kind of a funny thing to listen to. Well, yeah, because, and that's an art. That's like a push, let's say a push and pull in art all the time. Because yeah. in order to get known, you have to just like throw all of your content out there. Yeah. And see where it lands. But once you are known, you're like, nope, I need to be more protective of this content that I created that what? is going to be my retirement. So Yeah. So what is your <laughs> take on some of that? Like when you hear that Paul McCartney makes $400,000 a year on a song that he wrote in the 70s, or I think it was the 70s, um, the Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time. And now it's let's just on Spotify, random rotation or Pandora, whatever you listen to. And it makes more than, you know, I don't know. We both make in a year or five years oh, or yeah, whatever. Like easy. Um, <laughs> and it has no skin off his back. Like at some point, do you feel like, how, you know, what's the length? Yeah. Because it used to be 40 years and then it got extended and now it's like you can renew it and all of these, you know, crazy things. I mean, how do you feel about that? I, I want to support artists. I, I want to do all of that. But I also think that there's like a 
timeline too that's like a reasonable you got a reasonable return on your investment now like let's go public domain issues but i don't know yeah i'm kind of in that boat too of like i don't know where the line is either but there's got to be a line somewhere because like at some point it is just like isn't that art art is supposed to be public art is supposed to be for the people it's a populist thing and so like when does it become the people's right yeah. and is it no longer yours anymore and would it be like your su- the success of it is because of people listening to it so how long i don't i don't know what yeah. that line is but there has to be some line i think in terms of i like i understand like yes that's your intellectual property that you put energy and time and you should get return off of it but you know like i don't get paid for my intellectual property 90% of the time when I create something for teaching or yeah. like, I mean, I get my salary, but I don't get, that doesn't happen for, you know, the rest of my life, $400,000, right. you know? Um, so, but that's the idea of like teachers pay teachers is that you're sharing content and getting paid for it by, with other teachers. And so we're like, Oh, I've that seen that like stuff. a sharing website with, uh, yeah. but it's stuff for purchase too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you use that? Um, I have, I've only really done like free things, um, so far, but okay. like, like there's good ideas and good resources and of like worksheets and things like that. I haven't put anything on there, but, um, I have a friend, uh, who bachelor's a church in Minnesota who, um, who, once this COVID thing went down as a teacher resource, bought a gift card for like 500 bucks to teachers for teachers and then sent it out, sent out the code to all of the teachers that he knew in the church and been like, Hey, I know you're going through like difficult, like the time that you didn't expect coming. All of a sudden you have this new, you're still working as much, if not more. And in, in a completely different venue than you are, if this is helpful, here's the code, you know, until it runs out, you know, whoever wants it can go for it. I have no idea how it went. I just remember him talking about doing the idea and I hadn't heard of that website until I went and logged in on it. Mm-hmm. And I almost was like, in my mind, I thought, well, I should ask around here if people actually use that. And if, yeah, if we I think people do. I think there are a lot of people who use it. And I know, I know some teachers who go there first because it is, it's like, if I'm going to pay for this content, I want to pay other teachers for it. Yeah, sure. Right? Because that's like, there's a lot of intellectual property that goes into teaching that doesn't get monetized, if you will. Um, and so like that, the idea of us as a teaching community helping each other in that way is I think really attractive to a lot of people. Well, perhaps if we stick with this model in the fall or a hybrid model of the, in the fall, and that's me knocking on the wood that our kids are going to school in the fall because <laughs> I don't want to hear that bad news today. Um, is that is we'll the announcement today? That. No, said. no, I don't know. I, I don't know when it I've is. I've heard but. rumors that there's going to be an announcement in Washington State. Oh, don't you start rumors on this website I just, or on this podcast. I just I mean. heard that they, they are expecting some sort of announcement from the school, from OSPI, which is the uh, school, yeah. the state school organization. Interesting. So uh, one of the things I left out, I read the copyright page uh, or portion of Kester Bruins mutiny book uh, talking about the you know rights and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And one of the pieces that I left out because I just didn't want to go into it um, was he said in all caps, this book can be read out loud and which kind of felt weird at the time. And but so but then like later on in a later chapter, he talks about this um, part of uh, a rights restriction copyright is in these books that they can't be read out loud. So he's like he's like, I found myself reading 
um, Alice in Wonderland to my kid out loud. And then I looked back when I was doing the copyrights, I realized I'm like breaking the law when I do that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's like, and I feel like very piratic when I do it. And I'm like, I don't even <laughs> give a rip. I paid $9.99 on ebooks, you know, or on, on Kindle for this book. I'll read this thing whenever I, well, please, you know what I That's mean? That's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Do other children's books have that? I, I, I don't know. I mean, because I, all, like all of them are read out loud. Right. Right. We're all just breaking the law. Yeah. Which it's a ridiculous law. So at some point, at some point, everybody goes, this is a ridiculous law. I'm done. I'm like, I'm not going to abide by this. And, uh, you know, or, or um, that's not like acceptable. And this is like, I, <laughs> if I, pay, I legally paid for this book. I'm going to read it to my kid or whatever. You know what I mean? I always think about like that with like, uh, okay, I mean, Barnes and Noble. teachers probably break the law all the yeah, time. Yeah, teachers and like Barnes and children. Noble does like reading yeah. time for the kids and yeah. stuff. Like what are they paying license fees to be able to show those and do those? Yeah. I mean, they're not charging the kids to do that. So maybe that's the difference of like, you're not charging a, I, I get that. If like a you're teacher, not getting a profit off yes, of it. If you're so you tar don't. charging a ticket for me to come read yeah. you this book, then that's, you're profiting off of Something Which, like that. Yes. You should probably participate in some sale of this. But if yeah. it's, I've never paid a single thing for Barnes & Noble for the people to read to my kids. It's yeah. like I show up and take my kids for 30 minutes while I go browse the store. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that, parents. I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So then obviously the tie-in, it got there pretty late because it was kind of, I was trying to just generate interest and talk about pirates and it, you know, blocked entry points into whatever economic society, uh, political society, specifically in our instance, since we're a church, religious society. Um, anytime that something feels blocked, um, if it feels impossible to get through, then people will either give up or eventually just find another way and do something different. And Jesus is teaching his disciples one day and talking about, I know it feels like you're blocked. I know it feels like, the, you know, these people are lording their supremacy over you and their their righteousness over you, and you could never achieve anything. And then also previously um, in that, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, your righteousness must exceed, you must have a greater righteousness than that of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And that would be like overwhelming for them, you know what I mean? And then he goes into these woes and his very first woes to the Pharisees, which is, you know, there's like a, there's a uh, literary genre style thing listic with the blessings and curses deal that Matthew's integrating into this. But basically, watch out for this. This is a common pitfall for people in your position. You block the way of entry for other people and you yourself don't even do it. You know, um, you, you find yourself being short on the ability to carry this through and so and, and instead of working on yourself you just make everybody else stru uh, struggle with you and therefore you know then you don't have to feel the guilt of not making it um, anything stand out in terms of that Any, anything in the religious structural system of society in general or American religious systems that kind of well I mean I just I think of like the reformation right like the reason for the Reformation was exactly this. Like people are being barred from the right. word, they're being barred from the church, they're being barred from being close to God. And like, you know, Martin Luther and all of those people were like, that's not right. This isn't what we're supposed to do. And they were pirates in a sense, right? They Absolutely. took the word, they yeah. took the Bible and they published it for everybody to read and they set it out and they posted it on walls and they were like, we don't agree with the holding back of God from the common person. And so we're going to put it out there. And I think you see that a lot in Christianity in terms of like, here's the bar, here's the whatever. 
And people come in and are like, that's not what Christ said. And Jesus himself was like, yes, the bar is really high, but guess what? It's also pretty easy to get through because if you have a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And so like that idea of being like radical in setting the bar so low that you can come in, like you, anybody can walk into Christ and start talking with about what it means to follow him and what that way is and what that looks like. And so, um, I, I just, I didn't even think about it while you're talking about it, but just right now I was thinking about that's, that was the reformation. Absolutely. (laughs) Honestly, I, I hadn't really gone that direction either, but, um, totally that's exactly what it was. It was them saying you, you keep the Bible away from the common people for, for legitimate, like seemingly, or, you know, you've couched it in legitimate terms. We don't want people to read it incorrectly and then apply it and do dumb things that aren't spiritual that, but they, you know, cause they don't understand it. But then you also just bar the access of entry completely from them. And you chain, you literally chain the Bible to the pulpit. You, you, um, hold, you know, you can't truly know what God wants, but lucky for you, you know, me the priest, Pope, the, you know, whatever. Um, and I can tell you what it is. So like the access to a relationship, the access to knowledge of what is good and what is true is filtered through a human being. And we all know how that yeah, turns who, out. Like during that time was more than likely super corrupt. So right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's mixed up in the political system yeah, as well. Because the Catholic the church during that time was not, in a good spot right? Uh, in terms of like how they played into the world politics and their like power and influence and yeah. like, yeah. So, so that's part of kind of where I'm going to be going with this series and, and where I want to even finish off today. Like we can read through that and think we can point to the grievous uh, gross stuff of historical pirates, right? I mean, obviously, you know, over to and even the Somali pirates a few years ago. Like, I, I had one response of, of from somebody in the church who said, you know, I just, I, I'm struggling with glorifying pirate stuff. And, I, and obviously, in their mind, they're looking at the looting and just stuff that's going on in America, being like, I just can't get behind. And, and again, I, I mentioned it's not about sympathizing with them. It's, it is about empathizing with why they're doing it. Now, obviously, some are opportunistic and, and some are just like, hey, this is a time where we can get what we want and not have to do anything. Uh, but some of them are like, we're so frustrated with this and we just got to get your attention somehow, right? And and that doesn't make it right, please. I, I understand. That's been the hardest part I know for me. Uh, like, I'm totally fine with the protests and the peaceful protests and a, a right to assembly uh, and all of that. Um, uh, but but then when it goes into a violent nature, I'm like ah, I, I struggle so much with that. But um, but I also like in in doing this, I realize like the reason that we're in America, America was a pirate nation of itself. The reason we go to a Protestant church, Protestantism was pirated of itself. We are the product of pirate pushback, you know. Um, so, anyways, yeah. And yeah. you're like, and you're using the idea of pirate to talk about this idea of when. Like the societal structures have cornered a group of people into like into feeling like they have no other way out. What does that look like then? Mm-hmm. And that looks like piracy. It looks like doing things outside the law in order to gain 
privilege in order to get attention in order to be heard right and so it doesn't like yes it's sad that i think the most sad part about piracy is that our societies have created situations where people feel like that's their only recourse and so like for me like when i'm listening about the riots and hearing other people talk about what that is and how how i should look at that through the lens of history like um it's a like it's sad, but the most sad part is that that's the only way that people feel like they can be heard. And that's the only, like, they've felt so oppressed and so painted away that this is, they feel like that's their only opportunity to get ahead. It's their only opportunity to be heard. It's their only way to make their, like, society, make their people be part of society in real life. And I saw, um, um, before I knew you were doing things about pirates, I watched an episode of something called Explained about pirates. And um, initially, so like those mercenary pirates, the ones that were hired by governments to steal things from other countries, yeah, um, that was a way for them to become part of like the royalty, part of the noble class. And so for them, it was like, yes, we're going to be pirates for a while, but it's so that we can then be knighted and be part and gain those privileges that we aren't going to have access to unless we do this. And so, I mean, it changed as countries and history changed, but like that was a, the kind of pirate era that we romanticize in media is started as that started yeah. as like people trying to become part of the ruling class by pirating for yeah, the by, Royal family. By state, state sponsored pirating yeah. <laughs> or piracy. Yeah. Um, I mentioned before we pushed record on this, a little, uh, update that I had seen on speaking of like the protests, whatever else, <laughs> this is really funny. Yeah. There was some <laughs> updated stay at home orders, not in our County, obviously. Um, but, uh, in Contra Costa, I don't know where that's at, but the new, the new updated stay at home orders are this social, uh, outdoor gatherings of up to 12 people acceptable, uh, protests of up to a hundred people acceptable. Um, to which some guy named Tyson wrote, I'm having a protest in my backyard. We'll be grilling and arguing about and having a good time. Bring your own topic that you're mad about. <laughs> I was like, boom. Yeah. I love it. We will be protesting in my backyard. Bring yeah. your bring whatever sign you want. Yeah. I don't really care. Bring whatever <laughs> There's going to be lots of grilling, about. though. <laughs> Classic. Too funny. All right, let's jump into our something interesting because there's a tie-in here, and I, I wanted to say it, but then I thought that's my something interesting, then I'll have nothing to say for that. <laughs> Um, so can I go first? Is yeah. That okay. Okay. Um, there was a guy in uh, in uh, Britain called, named Henry Hill the Pirate in 1707, and he was a uh, a printer, uh, but he was a pirate printer. So, and back in those times, early 18th century, um, the publishing houses were limited. You had to get to get a license, and they were mo basically monopolized between four or five different cities. So, uh, London, York, um, uh, Cambridge, and uh, Oxford. Um, you, those are the only places you could do it, and then you had to get a license between those to be able to control it. And the reason they did that was they obviously, anytime you have a, a, a monopoly on the industry, right, you get to control pricing. And the only reason that that was allowed was they would filter out negative comments about the state and about the Church of England and about all of this stuff. So you help us not allow independent printers, we'll make sure that nothing gets printed that says something bad about you. Right, so definitely not free press at all. And so they were beginning to charge all these amounts and really prohibiting 
um, the common person from being able to afford books to read, like beneficial books by Thomas Paine or Ed, you know Edward uh, Edmund Burke or whoever uh, or Locke, all of these things. So um, and that would, those guys would be later, obviously. But um, in 1707, there's this guy, this pirate guy, um, decided to start printing stuff in the basement of his house, charging a fraction of the price. Underneath his, the title of the book would be for the benefit of the poor. And his stuff was being printed so cheaply that uh, uh, there's no way he was like making any money off this. This was just like a mission, personal mission for him. And it would get caught and they'd burn them and do this kind of thing and whatever else. Um, so they came up with this licensing act and, and that's when they begin to kind of control it big time. But what happened in America was at this time, obviously America was still British or under the control mm-hmm. of Britain, but the government, and specifically Benjamin Franklin, taking their cue from Benjamin Franklin, did not um, observe the Copyright and Licensing Act of Britain, even though it was a common thing. In this new world, Benjamin Franklin, along with several other founding fathers, realized if we are going to have a chance at starting a new government, our people are going to need to be smart. So they consistently rejected licensing laws. Over here, you can print whatever you want, however you want, and charge whatever you want for it. So again, this like freedom sort of stuff. And it was modeled by Franklin, who even in his, like he was like this common inventor who did all this stuff, who figured out the lightning. You remember that lightning string and controlling that? Mm -hmm. As soon as he figured that out, he didn't file for a patent for it. He printed it, didn't even put his name on it and made it public so that we can all benefit for it. And his comments about it, when asked was, there are so many things that I learned from some unnamed sources that I can't even begin to identify. I'd be, I, it would be incredibly selfish of me and prideful of me to think that I discovered this, like, and I, and I get to make money for it. Um, so it, it was not, it was not very pro, um, you know, uh, entrepreneur, at least at first in America, it was a, it was a pull towards nationalism, help us develop as a nation. And then they realized, Hey, we do want to spur on research and development. So we do need some boundaries in place. So then they established timeframes of it. And unfortunately it's just gotten longer and longer and longer. And so somebody who wrote a book, their estate can renew the thing and it can be forever and never make it in the public domain, including happy birthday, the song, not in the public domain. That's not in the public domain. No. Wow. You are legal. You are legal when you sing it at your kid's birthday party. All right. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm going to continue to do it because I'm a freaking pirate, but whatever. All right. Uh, uh, so that's that was my sort cool. of something interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, mine's just, uh, I watched a new show on Netflix that had been reckoned to me. So if you are looking for something kind of light and silly, um, you should check out Sweet Magnolias. It's kind of like a chick flick drama thing um, about these three friends in a small town in uh, one of the Carolinas. And yeah, it's pretty, it's, you know, it's cheesy and predictable and like light and funny, but um, it's also just kind of like something. It's got a a uh, 7.5 on uh, IMDb and a 75% of Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not like, you know, people hate it. No, it's it's, like, I mean, it's kind of in there. It's pretty good. Um, It was recommended to me by a couple of friends and so you know i don't know that joanna it's... garcia and jamie lynn spears how do we yes. know jamie lynn spears um is she she is she's britney spears sister yes i now i know Crushed who she it. plays i just like i watched a noreen fitzgibbons yeah. it looks like she i mean this is, is she good uh ah, <laughs> move on <laughs> 
Justin Bruning, Chris Klein, Brooke Elliott. I don't know any of those people, but uh, some of the faces are familiar. Like the one of the so one of the main characters are these three friends, and two of them look familiar. One of them was in a like I want to say it was USA um, or maybe Lifetime show called Drop Dead Diva. Um, and she's pretty good. I don't particularly enjoy her character, but she herself is a pretty good actress. Um, and so, um, there's like, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not like life changing per se, but if you're looking for something kind of like fun and predictable and chick flicky and it just, uh, it just dropped like May yeah, 19th. So there's only one season. Right. So it's not a bunch of like catching up to do necessarily. So that's good for, are you like the person who, I got to watch it when it's done. Because I have a couple friends who are like, I wait for the series to end and then I'll watch it because I don't like to wait. Mm, I think I'm in the middle. Are you? Sometimes I like watching. I think I'd rather watch it while it's new. and like I kind of like watching things mostly when they're new. But I also just watched West Wing. And so. Yeah. You're (laughs) so old. I don't even understand. (laughs) I finished the series this weekend. West Wing. West Wing. West Wing. (laughs) My second cup of coffee this morning, if you can't tell. Good. Yeah. Ten episodes. Are they like half hour, hour? What hour. are they? Hour. Oh. I think they're like fifty minutes, fifty-five minutes. <sighs> that's a that's a big commitment. I like the half hour things. I've been we've been still finishing up Space Force. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I recommended it last week. Yeah. That like the middle of the season's been a little bit less as good. Okay. But um. And I'll say for they are Magnolia's, only twenty-five minutes long. So. I'm like I think I watched, I've watched like four or five episodes. So. Yeah. We don't. I don't know how it ends, but. Cool. Opening theme song by Nickel Creek, so you know it's good. (laughs) All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Say Something Interesting. Make sure to check out Steel Magnolias as well as just... Sweet Magnolias. What did I say? Steel Magnolias. Steel. Oh, what is that? That's a a movie, right? Yeah, with uh, Julia Roberts and... um, Sweet Magnolias. And Sally Field. Steel Magnolias is an excellent movie, though. I have not watched it, but I've heard of it. Was in like the early 90s or something? Yeah, see? I'm old. I told you that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, nothing big to promo this week Um, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the interview that we did with uh, Blaine Charette on Friday that dropped on either Friday or Saturday a little bit late last week and it dropped as a kind of a surprise bonus episode in your feed Mm -hmm. if you're watching I listened to to it yesterday did you? good Mm -hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun check that out and uh, then we'll be doing week two of Pirate Radio on Sunday at 10 o'clock and log in early for Is This How We Conversation with Megan and Kylie. Make sure to get on our social media feeds this week and feed us some awesome content so that we can laugh with you, yeah, laugh at you. Yeah, and join us on the chat yes. with your awesome content. Yeah, log in 15 minutes early, <laughs> 9.45 on Sundays if you're, uh, if you're by your computer. And give us a shout. We'd love to connect. Yeah. Other than that, have a great week, everybody. Bye. Enjoy this weather. See ya. See ya.